0: I just, again, just kind of reinforce that. If you have never opened your heart and life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I just want to encourage you today to take that step because that is the beginning of a brand new way of living. Uh, Corinthians, Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. And that's the series that we're in right now. We're talking about new and how do we, how do we live in this new year differently than we lived in the year before. And uh, we've, we've talked about the new choices and we've talked about a, a, a new walk with God. We talked about uh, how we can have a, a, a new home. Today, I want to I wanna challenge a part that my guess is for a lot of us that we really haven't thought about that needs to be made new. Let me frame it for you this way. Uh, if, if several years back, I had the privilege of being at a, at a conference where one of the speakers uh, was the great Zig Ziglar, who was uh, an old time uh, motivational speaker, he used to do a lot of stuff. How many of you know that name, Zig Ziglar? Yeah, author. If you, you pick up any of his books, he's just a great guy, um, really, really smart, and a great man of God. At that conference, he was telling a story uh, about being asked to speak at a realtor's conference up in Michigan. And he said he was sitting at, at this luncheon uh, with these, all these realtors, and uh, as they got talking at the table, he turned to the realtor sitting beside him, and he said, well, how are things going for you? And he said the realtor responded by saying, horrible. He said, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a strike in the car industry right now. And he said, oh, everybody's you know off work or they're on strike. And he said, of course, people, if they're not working, they're not going to be interested in buying a home. And uh, he said, so, you know, nobody wants to look at houses. And he goes, it, it is just really, really bad. And uh, Zig said, man, I am really sorry to hear that. He said, yeah, if this, if this continues, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, Zig said, wow, I'm really sorry, man. And a little bit later, Zig said he got talking to the guy on the other side of him. He goes, well, how, how are you doing? And the guy perked up, got a big smile on his face. He said, man, I am doing fantastic. He goes, I don't know if you've heard or not. He said, but there's a big strike in the car industry. And he said, everybody's off work. And he said, people who normally don't have any time to look at homes, he said, they've got all the time in the world. And he said, everybody knows that the strike's not going to last forever. And when they go back to work, they're going to be making more money than they're making now. He goes, everybody's interested in looking at homes. He goes, man, I've got more people to show homes than I've got time in the day. Zig started laughing. And then he said, the guy leaned into him and he said, Zig, he said, do you have any connections in Congress? (laughs) Zig said, well, no, why? He goes, ma'am, he said, if I could have somebody put some pressure on the car industry, if they could just extend this strike six more months, he goes, I could retire early. (laughs) Think about this with me. Same circumstances, same industry, But two people have a totally different perspective. Don't miss this. Repeat out loud after me. What you see is what you get. Uh, Let's do it again. What you see is what you get. Now look at me. Please hear my heart. This is going to be hard for you to digest. But for a lot of us, we were our own worst enemies in this past year. Our outlook toward life, our outlook toward other people, our attitude toward the circumstances that we faced were the things that either made us really move forward, or it was the thing that made life so hard. And for some of us, let's just be honest, for some of us, somewhere along the way, in spite of our faith in God, we've developed attitudes that are negative and critical and cynical and sarcastic. We we look at life through a dark lens. And, And yet I believe that's one of the things that God really wants to change in us. In Proverbs, there's a verse of chapter 23. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So he is. So for all of you in recovery, you understand this. Let's figure out how to get rid of our stinking thinking. Amen? Amen. I want you to look at a passage of scripture. You want to take your sermon outline out and you can track along with me. I want to look at a passage of scripture as this newness of life that Christ wants to give to us, I want you to look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse two. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, read it out loud with me, by changing the way you think, then you will be able to learn, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, it's just a thought, and this is what I want you to process today. If God were to help you by changing the way you think, what would that look like for you? And you say, well, Steve, why is changing the way I think so important? Why? I put this on your outline. You see, how you see the world around you determines how you respond to the world around you. I'm going to say that again. How you see the world around you determines how you respond to the world around you. Some of you will know the name uh, Chuck Swindoll Uh, Chuck is a a, a fantastic Christian author, speaker, pastor from a few decades ago, just an amazing man. He wrote a a little paragraph called Attitude that I just wanna read for you because I thought he absolutely nailed this. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing, listen to this, is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90%... Of how I react to it, and so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Amen, amen. Now, when I when I was thinking these thoughts and I was processing this, and I was just asking God, Lord, how how do we take on a different outlook? How do how do we think differently than we thought? There there was a passage of scripture that popped up in my mind from. Corinthians, where Paul was talking about how (coughs) people don't know the mind of God. But then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And I started thinking about how Jesus looked at the world, and I thought, what would happen to us if we really began to seek God, saying, Lord, would you help me see like you see? Help me to see circumstances like you see them. Help me to see people the way that you see them. Help me see myself the the way you see me. What would happen if we would take on the outlook of Jesus? Well, I want to challenge you with that today, and I want this to be something you can camp on this week. Let me give you a few thoughts. and I, and I, I just spent some time thinking, how did Jesus see the world? And I had way too much uh, for one sermon, but I, I tried to trim it down and give you the best of what I can think of. You ready? Here we go. Jesus saw opportunity in every difficulty. He saw opportunity in every difficulty. Without knowing you, here's what I can tell you. There are some of us in this room, when we run into hard circumstances, things that are really difficult, we become paralyzed. We we quit, we give up, we walk away. There are others of us, when we run into difficulty, something happens inside of us and it propels us to action. We we begin to believe that we can overcome those circumstances and that even in the midst of what may seem uh, horrible and traumatic, God can work in amazing ways. And that's the eyes of faith that Jesus wants us to have. Now, I just want you to stay with me for a second. Think about what life would look like for you if if you didn't have some of the faculties that you have right now, some of the abilities that you have. What if all of a sudden one day you couldn't even walk anymore? Could you overcome that? I, I got this video. One of, one of our parishioners sent me this video this last week. He said, "Pastor Steve, I don't know if you've seen it. I watched this video, and I was in utter amazement of how one individual looked at their circumstances and decided to overcome. Let this be a challenge to you. Play that video, would you?"
1: Finally, tonight, a lesson in never giving up, even when it seems the odds are stacked against you. Need proof? CBS's Steve Hartman found it on the road. Technically, 13-year-old Josiah Johnson of Louisville, Kentucky has a disability, but almost no one sees it because Josiah doesn't see it. Although born without legs, the kid has yet to find his kryptonite, always did everything the other kids did. But that invincibility was put to the test last fall when Josiah decided to try out for the one sport where altitude is everything the Moore Middle School basketball team. At this point, you may be wondering, why didn't he just join a wheelchair basketball team? It would certainly be a lot easier. Well, Josiah says, exactly. It was easy. It was too easy. You wanted more of a challenge? Yeah. The gumption it takes to be able to say, I'm going to go out and do that. Who has that kind of confidence? Me. (laughs) (laughs) But his Mother Whitney says, it's not just confidence. It's stubbornness. Josiah is very competitive, and if he feels like something is too easy, he's not going to do it. Still, Josiah knew making the team was a long shot. Fortunately though, Josiah turned out to be pretty good at long shots. He made the team on his merits, and over the last few months has become a real contributor, getting offensive rebounds assists and because of his unique position on the floor he has caused more than a few turnovers he started taking the ball from people he took the ball from me i was mad you would have thought steph curry was in the gym but his teammates say his best play was a couple weeks ago (laughs) it was just a moment that i'm gonna remember for like ever it was the end of the game seconds remaining josiah shoots from three and again his disability disappeared what do you want people to take away from this to do something that they thought they couldn't do josiah johnson inspiration and proof that all you need to stand above is confidence
0: steve hartman on the road in louisville kentucky is that awesome or what you know, when I saw that video, I thought, how many of us, you know, would go, oh, I've got no legs, I can't do this, I can't do that. And this young man just looked at life through a lens and said, why not? And when I thought about that, I thought, you know, we are the people who, of God who, who declare that our God can do anything. In fact, for a lot of us, our favorite verse is from Philippians 4, 13, which says what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, look at me. Do you believe that? Then why do we cower away when circumstances get difficult or challenging? Don't you believe that God is greater than those circumstances? You know, I I love what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 19, when people were talking about, you know, things that are impossible. Jesus looked at him and he said, what? Read it with me. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, every once in a while, somebody said, you know, Steve, are you, you consider yourself a positive person. I said, I sure do. Because I believe that those of us who walk in faith in God ought to be the most positive people on this planet. We ought to be the most optimistic. We ought to be the most forward-thinking. Because here's what I know. I am positive my God is with me. I am positive my God is for me. And I am positive that in everything that I'm doing God is at work. Do you believe that? I love the passage of scripture from Romans 8:28. Read it with me out loud. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know what you're facing, don't know what circumstances you're up against, what difficulties you may face, but what would happen if you stop focusing on how hard it was and you begin to ask God to help you see the opportunity that lies before you? Let me give you a second one, and this, this will challenge a lot of us. I want you to think about how you see people. Because Jesus saw people differently than we see him. Here's how I put it on your outline. Jesus saw the hurt and the heartache behind the behavior of people. He saw the hurt and the heartache Behind the behavior of people. Now, come on, it's just us. We can be honest here. How how many of you would be honest enough to admit you, you run into some pretty annoying people from time to time? Yeah. How many of you brought them with you? They're on your row today. Yeah, you got, you got them right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, and we do. But part of the problem, if we're honest, part of the problem in, in dealing with other people is that we, we see how people are and we see the things that they say and we see the things that we do and we don't ask this question, what might be going on in their life to cause them to be the way that they are? What if instead of focusing on the things you see on the surface, what if you could ask God to help you look beyond to see what He sees that may be going on the inside or, or, or in their lives? Now I love the description of how Jesus looked at people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Read it with me, church. It says, and when he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep Without a shepherd, let look at that. He he didn't see them as 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 noisy and complaining, or or, or you know, or or, or annoying and, and difficult. He he had compassion on them because he saw they were they were hurting, they were confused, they were helpless, and it was that ability to see what was going on on the inside that allowed Jesus to minister to people right where they are. I put the statement your outline just if you If you let how you see people change how you treat them, then how you treat them might end up changing them. Several years ago, um, i I took a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and when I was interviewing and candidating for that position. One of the things I discovered was that there was a worship war going on in the church. Uh, People were arguing about the style of music. Uh, The church had a very traditional background. They had had great orchestras and choirs, and they mainly sang hymns. And the pastor who was there knew that if they were really going to move forward uh, to the future, that they needed to modernize the music and, uh, and they did a, a, a real abrupt 180-degree turn in their program. They hired a new worship pastor who was a, an old rock and roller. And, uh, you know, they got, they got rid of the choir. They got rid of all of the, the, the orchestra. They got rid of all of that, and they, they went to a, a band-driven service. Now, young people loved it. There were young families coming. They, they loved the music because it's what they listened to on the radio. It's this it it kind of stuff. But how do you think the older people felt? Yeah they felt left out. They felt abandoned. They felt like, man, we've gone to this church for 40 years. We've given our life, you know, and and money and sweat and and everything that was dear to us has been taken away. And and that hurt turned to anger. And so when when the the pastor was trying to navigate that, all that, he decided the best thing to do was get out of Dodge. So he did. He, He left and planted a new church where he could do music any way he wanted to, and uh, And when I got there, I mean these people were I mean literally it was just it was ugly. And uh, I'll never forget, kid you not, my very first Sunday at this, at this new church, I'm walking in and the band is playing and they were really good, man. They were up there and, they were, bah, bah, bah. you know, when we were, and I walked, I'm walking in and I'm going, man, I just love this. And there was an older saint, most of our older people came to the first service, there was an older saint sitting about halfway up and she stood up, put her hands over her ears and she started walking toward the back. Now, the service hasn't even started yet. And she's walking to the back and I'm going, I'm walking toward her and she gets to me and she stops and she looks at me and she says, I'll give you one month to fix this mess. <laughs> and I'm like, well, welcome to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun ride. And, uh, and every week, man, we were, we were getting notes uh, from people and, and, and it, was, it was just really ugly. And there was, there was one couple in particular that they were just mean I mean, that's the only way I can say it. They they weren't not they were not being kind and Christian about what they said at all. They were just being ugly, and they were you know they were accusing us of things and they were just saying really nasty things. And every week they would write something new. And, and I'm just I'm just like I when I would see them, literally I would see them on our campus when I would see them coming I would be going whoop 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 you know. I'm heading the other way. You know, yeah, how many of you have done that with people? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't want to be anywhere near the... Well, I get a phone call from them, and they say, Pastor, could, could we invite you to dinner at our house? And I'm like, I got to eat. <laughs> and I'm, th- I'm, like, I'm like the lion looking at the piece of meat under the you know, thing. I'm going, it's a trap. I know it's a trap. You know, They're going to get me. They're going to lock the doors, and they're going to wail away on me. You know." And I thought, you know what? I get paid the big bucks to take a beating, so I'm, I'm going to go. But I got to the house, and it wasn't like that. really wasn't like that at all. I got there. They were very kind, and, um, and we had dinner together, and we talked and visited. After, after the dinner, this couple was showing me around their home, and as the guy was walking me down the hall, she was showing me family pictures. There, there was a picture of a, of a, of a younger guy uh, in his late teens, early 20s, and um, I said, who is this? And she kind of dropped her head, and she said, well, that, that was our son, and he's no longer with us. And I said, I'm so sorry. What happened? And she said, well, she said, when he got into high school, he got into rock music. And he ended up getting into a band. And they got into drugs. And he overdosed and died very young. And, and I put my arm around her. And I just stood there in the hallway with her for a second. I just, I just let her cry. And I just said, you I am... I am so very sorry. We shouldn't have to bury our kids. And we just had this real tender moment. But here's what happened for me. I just want you to don't, don't miss it. All of a sudden, I realized, here's what was going on. This couple, every single week, were coming to church. And our drummer's up there beating those skins. And our guitar players are up there wailing away. And we've got these young guys and gals up on stage with jeans and long hair. Every single week, this couple was being reminded of a painful loss in their life. You see, it really wasn't about singing songs to God in one style or the other style. For them, it was all escalated by this personal pain that they had. Now, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to justify the way that they handled that or the things that they said and did. I'm I'm not trying to do that. But what happened for me is I moved from a place of this adversarial relationship to where I saw them with a great heart of compassion. And so instead of running away from them every time I saw them, I started running to them. And can I tell you something? It softened them. Again, please hear me. I'm not trying to justify the people in your world and what they do, but here's the deal you can't do anything about them, but you can do something about you. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a third one. Jesus saw the potential and possibility in everyone. I love this. Jesus saw the potential and possibility. And everyone, I, I put on your outline. Most of us see people as they have been, but Jesus saw people as they could be, and this was a, just a magic in his ministry. Everywhere he went, he not only saw people where they had been and where they had come from, but he saw what they could be. He saw these fishermen who, who you, you would you would say, man those are the last kind of people you would choose for a disciple, but he saw greatness. In them. And, and look at what happened as a result. Look at look at as it referred to them in Acts. I love this from the Living Bible. It says, and when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John, and who could and could see that they were obviously uneducated, non-professionals, they were amazed and realized what being with Jesus had done for them. Now how many of you are like me and you can look back and identify people in your life that if they had not spoken into you things that you couldn't see in you, you wouldn't even be here today doing what you're doing? Yeah. You, you see, God raises up people and, and it challenged me when I, when I realized this, it challenged me that we as parents and grandparents and pastors and teachers and, and leaders in our community, we need to be looking for the things in people that God sees and call it out. So that other people around us can reach that God given potential that we did. Does that make sense to you? Jesus didn't just settle for where people were, he saw where they could go. Let me give you one more. And this is probably the greatest challenge for most of us. Jesus had a solid grip on who he was. Jesus had a solid grasp on who he was. Listen very carefully. How you see you may be the greatest benefit or issue in your life. How you see you may be the thing that is really helping you to achieve all that God wants to do in you or it may be the one big thing that's really preventing God from doing that. All I'd have to do is sit with you for a little bit and let you tell me about you and I can pretty much tell you what God is doing in your life. This was the thing I loved. I loved how this was phrased in John 13. Uh, This is toward the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he uh, washed the feet of his disciples and had the Last Supper, all that kind of stuff. It said, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and that he would return to God. Think of this thought with me. Jesus knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going, so nobody around him could take away that identity from him. You see, when you know who you are as a child of God, when you know where you've come from and you know in your heart where you're going, nobody can steal from you what God is doing. That ought to be the biggest factor for most of us that we take home today. I put this on your outline. I just give you some ways to process it. When you know who you are and whose you are, no one gets to define you. Because the only one who has a right to define you is the one who made you. No one can discourage you. You know, when you, when you know that you have the hand of God on your shoulder and you know you're doing what God is calling you to do, no one, no one can discourage you, can hold you back. And you know what? No one gets to limit you. <laughs> no one gets to limit you. Hear my heart. Some of us have stopped short of being all that God has called us to be simply because we've let other people put limits on us that God hasn't put there. What would happen for you if you saw you the way God sees you? I, I saw a, a Facebook post by one of our single moms here in the church, Janie Justice. Janie's had a a really challenging life. She's got two teenage boys now, but is making some incredible strides. And when I look at her life, I I can't help but just feel a great sense of of admiration for her and what she's doing. Because I know some of the stuff that she's been through. And she posted this on Facebook. I just thought it was so cool. She just posted this not long ago. She says, food for thought. What, one of my favorite verses is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. As I thought on this verse today and my most recent accomplishment, I thought about how Christ is love. My life started out with feelings of being unlovable and unwanted. And it's been through so many people, including social workers, counselors, foster parents, mentors, pastors, and a variety of friends that I've discovered that I was very much loved. And it's because of the love that others shared with me that I was able to gain confidence in who I am in Christ. And so then I started reciting this verse again, as I can do all things through love that gives me the strength. By changing one word, that verse gained so much more meaning for me. I've said it time and time again, and I can't say it enough. Because as hard as my life started out, and through all the challenges I have faced, love is what has given me the strength I needed to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I am so grateful to so many people who have encouraged me, supported me, challenged me, and loved me through the good times and the bad. And I hope that I can continue on my journey with others, can see how loved they really are and gain strength to overcome. Now Janie was one of those that people would said, "You'll never graduate high school," but she did. She was one of those people would have said, "You'll never go to college. That's ridiculous," but she did. And then there would be people would say, well, you make it through college, but you'll you'll never go to, to any graduate studies. Oh, but she did, just completed her first master's degree with all A's, and now has just begun a second master's degree in social work so that she can go back and give to others what God has given to her. Give Janie a round of applause. Would you be When you discover who you are in Christ, that's a peace and a confidence that no one will ever be able to take away. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced we get our our eyes off the ground and look up. We have to capture again a glimpse of who God is and what he can do in our lives. We need to ask God for the the ability that he had to, to see circumstances the way that he did through eyes of faith, to see people like he did through eyes of compassion. And we need to ask God to help us see us like he sees us as children of a king. Because when we know we're children of the king, we'll begin to live that way. Amen. I want to do something a little different today. I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. When I was working on this message and I got done, I started thinking about all that God had done in my life and how, how grateful I am. And I just wanted to just sing a song of celebration, focusing in on who he is as our God. And it's an old song and some of you may know it, some of you may not, but it's a song I love. It says, shout to the Lord. Our God is a mighty God. As we sing this, would you open your heart to the outlook that Jesus had and what God might wanna do in you. And nothing compares to the promise you have in him. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. (laughs) we <laughs>